Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. I'm Olivia Agar, thanks for tuning in to episode 204. Poor global economic news continues to compete against supply tightness in many commodities, which is driving this volatility in markets. Robert Herman joins me again this week for a chat about how these macroeconomic factors are weighing on markets, what this means for the outlook, as well as the record price differential we're seeing between lamb and cattle prices at the sale yard. We'll get straight into it today. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Rob, and welcome back to Commodity Conversations. Good to have you back on home soil again. Well, thank you. Yes, it is home soil, although, um, as I spoke to you earlier today, I was Overseas again, actually, across at Kangaroo Island, which was really interesting to go and see um, farmers over there. Um, and uh, I've got to tell you, it's a, the wet. There was roads cut. There was uh, paddocks covered in water. There were crops that had been smashed down over the rain. Some places had um, 50 mils the night before, or two inches in the old scale. Um, but, you know, very wet, uh, very green. And looking forward to some really good growth of pasture now when hopefully the sun comes out. Yeah, well, looking outside my Sydney apartment now, it's not so much green, but very, very wet as well. So I think it's pretty, pretty broad story that's happening there. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about droughts and now we're talking about flooding rain. So um, perhaps we should write a poem about that. <laughs> <laughs> let you do that Rob okay. but there are some different stories happening now though and one of the main ones that's been impacting markets in the last few weeks has been the deteriorating macroeconomic picture so what sort of impact has this been happening having on markets well it, it has it does have an impact on markets um the macroeconomic picture um because markets live they like stability um consistency they don't like things coming out of left field or going wrong or uh, any shocks. And, and we're certainly at a time of volatility. We know that in the world. Um, but it's also, so on the one hand, it's affecting the markets um, in terms of the confidence and therefore the commodity prices. But you've got another factor of, of uncertainty, which we probably aren't as used to, and that's the uncertainty of supply with some of the, um, you know, the global tensions that are happening are interrupting what would be considered normal supply in some areas, and that's driving volatility as well. And so those two factors are sort of competing against each other in terms of, you know, your grain and oilseed markets at the moment, and that's why we're seeing such big swings in price every week. Yes, absolutely, and that's very difficult for markets to handle because, you know, on the one day do you place more emphasis on the risk of supply or on the next day, do you place? Do you focus more on the, you know, a bad economic outlook or a bad um, bank report coming out? So that's what we're seeing at topsy turvy, and it's um, it's a challenge for producers because you know our production just keeps ticking along, and it's a much longer view than the day to day ructions of a market. Uh, and and I guess you know where we've seen some of our farmer friends and farmer clients you know, become quite concerned about some of these things. Others say, no, look, let's just concentrate on what we can control and and focus on production. And so, you know, apart from those places in Australia at the moment that are um, flooded, 
Um, there's a lot of Australian country that is very, very, very good. And I was, I'm with, um, I'm in Adelaide today with speaking to Tony Kidman, who is the um, state uh, wool manager here for South Australia. And um, he's just been up to Broken Hill and uh, or the day before yesterday and, you know, telling us that they had another lot of rain, but it's on top of, you know, massive amounts of feed and pasture. So generally speaking, that's all very good for farmers, rain. Um, and, and I know there's some that were saying hey, enough is enough, but uh, generally we're looking at a pretty good situation for that. So that um, the reason I'm highlighting that, I suppose, Liv, is that's a that's the sort of a certainty that we like in our agricultural practices that maybe people can focus on rather than too much about the uncertainty. Yeah, and I think you've made a really good point there about focusing on the the longer picture and and the positives there because we know these small micro movements and the, and the noise around markets can often take away our focus. But we do have a big crop in Australia this year, and you know harvest time there might be a few concerns around quality due to if we get the really wet finish and and the the flooding impacts, but prices are still historically strong. Yeah, that's right, Liv. Prices are historically strong and you will have um, quality issues when you, you know, in a season like this. But um, I know from the long time that I've been looking at um, agriculture or farm production, the most important thing about um, your your year's activities is that you've got plenty of commodity to sell. And, uh, and by and large, that'll be the case this year. Now, can I just swing back to you, Liv, because... Um, I think one of the things we need to have a look at is that is the livestock market. And um, since the FMD, what would you say, FMD got highlighted in those issues, we've seen the market move around a bit and um, it, it sort of looked like it declined back into winter. Is that the case? Yeah, we sort of had two different responses for livestock markets after that period. You had cattle prices, which have really bounced back since we saw that downturn in driven by the FMD feeds midwinter. So they're not quite at the record levels that they were beforehand, but they've, you know, I think we can fairly confidently say they've recovered from that downturn. But for lamb, we've seen prices fairly volatile, but for a while now, lamb prices have remained pretty low. And what that's done is meant that we've now got a record uh, premium of cattle prices over lamb. So in the last 20 years or so, the Eastern Young Cattle Indicators actually averaged a discount to the Eastern Trade Lamb Indicator. But now we've got the ECI, which has moved to a 40% premium against the ESLI at the moment. So that's an interesting observation, Liv. And I suppose time will tell, but, but it would indicate that either um, cattle prices have got some higher heightened risk and more likely to come back or perhaps the land market can improve. Yeah, yep, definitely we could see one of those ways and sort of what's driven us to this point. I mean, we know that uh, cattle supply is still really tight. It's been that way since the end of the drought. We've got strong restocking demand, strong international demand for beef. Um, but on the lamb side, prices over the last, last three years of pretty much gone sideways. There's been a lot of volatility in there, but that's all been at a time of growing supply. So with prices for the most part moving sideways, demand has been matching that and 
And we're now at the point in the season where the seasonal price declines and the spring flush builds. So we could definitely see those movements happen because over the long term, we know that land price and the cattle price do move in, in closer range than where they're sitting currently. So we know that you know farming is is about taking longer term decisions, but you know, is that going to see a little bit more of a swing out of lamb into cattle where people can do that, in your opinion, Liv? It could do so. I mean, there are a lot of other factors that come into those sort of long-term decisions, obviously, but a very strong premium for one livestock category over the other um, should see a slow shift towards producing that type of livestock, so in this case, cattle. But then we do know that it's all cyclic and if we do see a shift um, towards more cattle, supply eventually over the long term starts to lift and increase relative to lamb, then you see prices converge and, and go back around the other way again. So it's all cyclic, Rob. Yeah, no, that's 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 true, Liv, and that's good observations. And so we've had the, the cattle price has been rising lately, lamb's sort of gone sideways, but wool, the story, isn't really what we want to hear and the wool price has been falling. But I don't think it's unusual for this time of year, Rob, is that right? No, that's right. And there was a, there's a really good article that um, Andrew Woods put up, I think, on Thursday of this, uh, Tuesday, what, what day were we there? Yeah, anyway, put it up this week on Mercado and um it, it makes the point that um, the seasonal pattern, you know, tends to reach its low around about this time of the year and then rising to a peak early in the new calendar year. Now, that means that, that prices tend to weaken from the May to June period into October. Um, and that sort of fits pretty neatly with the price pattern we've seen this season as well as last season. Uh, so the price changes for 2022 are matching those that we saw in 2021. Now we tend to often look and find reasons for that. And as we discussed earlier, you know, the uncertainty in the world, um, the global problems, uh, they weigh on markets like the wool market because the wool market is about confidence and about consumer um, consumers being happy to get out and, and purchase, you know, what is generally discretionary items. So um, that, that, that's sort of the reasoning we can find at the moment, but it's amazing how often those um, these trends uh, appear, and they, they appear fairly regularly. And Andrew Woods has been someone who's been looking at this for a long, long time, and he's got a real good handle on it. And so, you know, that article um, sort of some in summary says that if there's nothing else dramatic happening, this is no other serious influences, then you know, wool prices have a good chance of picking up through to early 2023. Then there are big other factors at play, as you were talking about, Rob, the, the economic picture, which has a, a big influence on wool markets, um, isn't as positive. So what type of re result have we seen when we've had, um, you know, big, poor economic conditions impacting the wool market in history that, that might give some insight into what happens this time around? Yes, Liv, well, in, in 20. 2009, you know, in the same sort of um, downturn, same period, resulted in the 19 micron falling by about 30%. And then in 2020, um, it, it again, remember that was the COVID period, it had a 50% decline. So the odds are that this current cycle, which is down about 16% since June um, in, in the 19 micron wool price and, and across wool prices in general, probably has a bit more to run yet. 
Um, and I know in uh, I know Andrew over the years, Andrew Woods from ICS, our um, you know our wool expert over the years has has looked for other indicators that coincide or or give us some indication of, of what's happening or what's going to happen in the wool market. And one of the um, points he makes in this week's article is the IFO Institute, which is a measurement of business expectations for the German manufacturing. And he looked at the period from 2001 to this month, and the IFO index has been lagged by six months as a forward-looking indicator, so that gives some insight into the near future. Um, and one of the reasons why that sort of indicator is important is that the German economy um, is the largest in Europe, and it's an important market for and ultimately tied to other sort of um, indexes and, and commodities. The index is showing that... Um, you know, well, look, they're not perfect, these indexes. They don't always correlate, but um, they can point to the direction of markets. And it's showing that there's been, you know, looking back in time, there's been two strong downturns in 2009, 2020, which I just mentioned, which meant the wool, which caused the wool market or correlated with the wool market falling by 30 and 50% respectively. Um, but and at the moment, it's it's looking like, it's heading in the same direction as we saw in those periods. So it's probably got some way to run yet. Um, you know, perhaps it's going to um, soften a little bit, um, given that we don't have big wool clips at the moment and not a lot of supply hanging around. But um, it's a timely note to to our people in the wool industry just to remember that, you know, it is a commodity market. There are a lot of impacts on it. It's not supply driven. We're not oversupplying the market, so we can't say that's an issue. Like we, you know, back, um, you know, a long time ago, back in the wool stockpile days, we had issues of oversupply. That's not the case now. So there are other factors in the market live that are driving this, and uh, and they're 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 looking negative right now. But uh, as we've said a number of times, you know, the underlying demand for Australian um, rural commodities is driven by. Um, you know, the growing economic uh, activities in developing countries and the growing population. And, you know, I think, as we said earlier, the farmers take a long view. Uh, this will be the time to take a long view of the wool market and, um, you know, have some confidence that this is a product that's going to be a, a good contributor to the Australian economic scene. I think that's a really good place to wrap up today, Rob. Thanks for coming on and um, yeah, we look forward to having you back again soon. Good on you, Liv. Great to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Commodity Conversations. If you're chasing a recap on how some of our other key agricultural markets fared this week, head to the Mikado website and our Friday market comments are all there just waiting for you. Or if you're looking for more detailed analysis and outlook, a premium subscription will get you access to all our historical articles. Take care and we'll be back next week.